Tonight's narrative is made possible by viewers like you and Hover.com, an easy way to find and register a domain name. Use promo code REACH to get 10% off. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Narrative Live. It's good to be with you tonight. Eric Garland is back with us. How are you, Eric? Hello, Zev. Good to be here. You look very fresh and well-lit today. I enjoy that. <laughs> I'm feeling fresh and well-lit. <laughs> we have a big show tonight. Lots of interesting news going on. And we're just going to go through it and see if it all connects. There's a lot of good analysis coming up on everything from the what I would call a Russian strike into Poland, whether it's intentional or accidental. It's still a Russian strike into Poland, as far as we can tell. We're going to talk about Donald Trump, but the sequel... Some are pointing out it's the third campaign that he's actually running, even though it's only the second administration he's trying to form. You know, he's back. That's going to be an interesting conversation. And then we're also going to talk about all the comings and goings inside the GOP. It seems to be like a, a circular firing Mostly squad. Mostly goings. Mostly goings, yes. And it is a bit of a circular firing squad that's going on in there right now. I mean, everyone's sort of taking a shot at everybody else. And but it's never fun when you're losing because this is what happens when you lose. Everyone blames everybody else. In this case, they're all to blame. So we are going to talk about McCarthy. We're going to talk about McConnell and about their um, serious challenges that they're facing for their leadership. And we should point out that tonight's show is also brought to you by Hover.com, which is where you can get the best search for domain names. If you're starting a company or you have an idea, maybe you're like... Uh, like Donald Trump, you're starting a third campaign and, you know, make, making America great again and again. And you can do that all by going to hover.com right now. And for 10% off from us, if you go to hover.com forward slash reach, R-E-A-C-H, and you'll get 10% off and you can get your own domain names or maybe give Donald Trump a gift for his now third campaign that he's launching. But let's talk a little bit about what happened in Poland today, because... Many people are out there saying this was accidental. I have real doubts about these things being accidental. It's four miles into Poland. It's a grain silo. It just doesn't feel accidental to me. It's one thing if you like shoot a gun like a few meters off or like you miss a building by a few feet. We're talking four miles into an, another country, <laughs> which, you know, you're trying to avoid. Into NATO, never mind another country. Just like, so I... Damn it, Merle, we hit NATO accidentally. <laughs> yeah, it's not something you'd want to do readily. And so it's surprising to me that people are out there saying it's accidental. I think it was intentional, even though they're going to quite vociferously deny they have any involvement. But it is actually very serious as well, because we're talking about, obviously, a provocation inside NATO, which would mean that you could invoke Article 4 and Article 5, two very serious articles. Plus, it comes a day after the CIA Director Burns was having a meeting with the Russians in Ankara about something yes, or other. Yes, uh, do you yeah, know much that's... about the substance of that? I don't know exactly what happened there, but all of this seems to tie in somehow. I mean, do we ever know <laughs> what the substance of the meeting between the head of the CIA and the SVR are at any given time? I don't mm. think so. When I read the output of the Xi and Biden call, it's like, we talked about how being mean is bad and uh, making sure treating people nice is good. Or the Russians and the Americans discussed, don't use nuclear weapons. I'm like, okay. So for those of you playing at home, none of those things are what they actually talked about, which is fine. These things are supposed to be under the hood. So and those conversations must be incredibly fascinating. I would give to be a flyer on a wall of that conversation. That would be really fascinating. So let's unwrap what we do know about Polish strikes. But you've got here that it's Poland has considered invoking NATO's Article 4. Two people have died and the Russian missile strike four miles into NATO territory. 
and Polish territory. The Polish mm -hmm. president, Andrzej Duda, he has completed a phone call with President Joe Biden now. He's also completed a phone call with Jen Stoltenberg, the Secretary General of NATO. That's where they discussed in invoking Article 4. They are investigating the reasons behind the explosion, but they've raised their military readiness levels. They have also called a National Security Council meeting, that's their National Security Council, and a big cabinet meeting. All that's a protocol when a foreign country throws missiles into your backyard and blows up a grain silo. But everyone immediately jumped to the conclusion that we were stepping into World War Three here because they've gone out of their theater of operations, they've stepped out of their zone, and they've come at... Poland, which is Ooh. the front line of NATO. This is, let's get it straight. This is a kinetic attack. So when we talk about a kinetic assault of any form in military speak, that means something went kablooey. That's something happened in the physical space, not cyberspace, not political interference, but something blew up or involved somebody going someplace they were not supposed to go. When you have missiles explode on NATO territory, you are risking the invocation of Article 5 of the North Atlantic Treaty, of which all the members have signed on, that an attack on one is an attack on all. Which means we can all go to war with Russia if we want now. Putin has given us license to declare war on Russia. If it can be proven that this was a intentional provocation, the Russian side came out with an immediate denial. But the way they did it actually is an indicator to me that it was them because it was so quick and thorough and typical of their usual denials. So here's one saying that, no, they had absolutely nothing to do with it. This one from TASS agency says, the statements of the Polish media and officials about the fall of Russian, in the quotation mark, missiles in the region are a deliberate provocation. The Russian armed forces did not strike any targets near the Ukrainian-Polish border, the Russian defense ministry said. When they use words like you know, provocation, it's a dead giveaway that they're... Also, there's the old saying in our business, don't believe anything about Russia until the Kremlin denies it. Yeah. <laughs> also, as far as their track record, at one point, Russia called me a conspiracy theorist for attributing their actions in the 2016 election to them. Several years later, the head of Wagner Group, Yevgeny Prigozhin, came out and said, damn right we interfered in the 2016 election. So I know personally they will deny things that they in fact did. <laughs> First-hand knowledge of this idea. Also, I mean, knowledge. yeah, they came out on Telegram today calling it a false flag operation. They did all the typical things you'd expect them to do. They were blaming the British for doing this. But really, who else is doing this? Maybe it's Ukrainian missiles that have gone astray. That's another possibility. But, you know, here's, here's the problem with Russia. Could be right. Look, this is very convenient for us militarily. And I suppose the British could have rigged up some explosion there and told the world that this is what happened. But the problem with Russia and Vladimir Putin is that when you are just such consistent geopolitical bullshit artists, when you lie and gas children to death in Syria and commit genocides and invade other people's countries and make up bullshit rationalizations and create brand new republics where they don't exist, guess what? Maybe if somebody does pull an intelligence operation off on you, you don't have any credibility in the world left. Also, let me understand what this intelligence operations like mission would be. Are they suggesting that the United States is trying to draw Russia into a world war? They're suggesting that America and Britain may be attempting to get Russia to look like bad guys. But come on, folks, why would we spend the energy? Russia does a tremendous job of making Russia look like bad guys.
World War Three would be a real bummer. It's not something that people really are would try. Instigate. They don't have an army left. That's true. They also don't have an army left. So just if kind they of, get as far as Missouri, them. I will fight them with butter knives. I think the best case scenario with whatever military remains in Ukraine is if they're very lucky, Russia might end up invading Russia. We'll see. <laughs> this is the scene, apparently. I won't say that I know for sure this is the scene, but Polish online media is saying that this is the scene of the attack. It actually took place in a grain silo, which is... a. Uh, Interesting. Originally, there was some thought that it might be attacking the uh, power lines in the area, but it's, apparently this is took place attacking a grain silo. Now, you might say grain silo. Why is that interesting? It's interesting because, believe it or not, the United States has built some grain silos in Poland on the border of the Polish-Ukrainian border. Actually, with Ukraine, the breadbasket of Europe, a lot of that grain would have flowed south through the sea. And of course, that's a militarized zone now. So of the things that the United States could, in fact, build without being officially provocative, I mean, heck, they could even let UN inspectors through if necessary, would be grain silos to store up grain as it gets distributed out because Ukraine is one of the great breadbaskets of the Western Hemisphere. So that might not be nonsense. That's interesting. You have just won yourself at the price for tonight's show. Yes, it's in fact exactly what Joe Biden and his very smart administration did. Back in June or July, they, President Joe Biden said Tuesday that the US will build temporary silos on the Poland's border with Ukraine to facilitate the export of grain out of the war-torn nation and address surging food prices and mid Russia's invasion. We're going to build temporary silos on the borders of Ukraine including in Poland, so we can transfer grain from those cars into those silos into cars in Europe and get it into the ocean and get it out across the world. But it's taking time, Biden said in a speech at the convention, AFL, CIO convention in Philadelphia. So that's interesting. Do we know if it was an American target? If it was an American target, that surely changes the whole thing. If it was a Polish grain silo, that's it's one. very stupid as far as ideas go, if that's so. Not something you you'd know. suggest anyone would do, but they might have done it. So... That's very provocative for them to do something like that. It doesn't actually matter. What matters is that's NATO territory. An attack on one is an attack on all. It would seem to me less accidental if it was an American silo. That would seem like it was targeted a lot more to me than just a, oh, this missile went a little bit off, which they could argue is possible. But let's say that they just said that this, this missile went off range. Then you could say, hey, it's a Polish-owned silo. But if it's an American silo, it's a message to America. Well, they've been attacking us constantly in different yeah. ways for 100 years. So again, they've gone kinetic. Mm. And that is the line that is very hard and not to be crossed. And they've crossed it. Absolutely. That is exactly the point that Zelensky said today in his address. Kind of a fiery address that some people were criticizing for being too aggressive and too foreboding of a world war. But you know what? He has to say what he has to say. That it's language he's using, mm. that's very interesting. He's using NATO language. Now he's got an application. He's not in NATO, yep. but this is a Russian missile attack on collective security. Exactly. This he's already a very acting. Significant escalation. Yeah, he is. He's actually he's like dressing for the job he wants. Yeah. He wants to be <laughs> a leader of a NATO nation. And he's like, I will not sit around while these jerkwads threaten collective security of NATO. Please well, let me in. Yes, he's also binding Ukraine into NATO by using those words. And now, even though NATO is quite responsible for everything he's been doing by linking all of this together, he's attaching himself to the NATO alliance prematurely because he's not yet officially a member. But still, it's a very good point you're making yeah. that he's using that language. This is how it works in statecraft, that when a nation state, which normally wants to keep its options open so they can play as many sides as possible, 
when they start using language like this, like when Turkey was the home of the Ottoman Empire prior to World War One, very proud nation, very powerful nation, hegemon, not on the power level of the British Empire or the United States of today, but after World War One and Two, Turkey is its own sovereign nation. It's let the Ottoman Empire go. And it starts hewing closer to NATO and less to the east and to the south. That's really important. And they ended up as part of NATO and they've been a key ally, very complicated ally these past few years. But this is how it starts. A country that might want to play all sides starts playing one side really heavy. That's very important language here from Zelensky. And here's the other interesting thing that came out that I was really fascinated by. CNN is basically reported in an exclusive that U.S. intelligence suggests that Russia put off announcing the retreat from Kherson until after the midterm elections. And this is really fascinating. I think what they're saying is a very likely possibility for what the Russian state was thinking about timing when they were going to give up territory, which is great. But yeah, it's not in their interest to have grandpa ice cream in office who is anything but sleepy. They don't want Biden to have a coalition in the United States. So if they are in retreat prior to those midterm elections, Biden would have come out and said, look, not only are we doing this, this and this, also the Russians are on the run. So, yeah, that strikes me as a very, very, very plausible well, this thing. Also, it also seems that they have intelligence that proves that Russia has been interfering in American elections using geopolitics, and this is not news, we've seen this many times, but that they're doing it this midterm as well, using actual world events in their interference of our elections. Hi there, it's Zev from Narrative. Have you ever had a great business idea but just didn't know where to start? Well, one of the first steps to building a new business is a domain name by Hover. That's because it's more important than ever to have an online presence and your domain name by Hover is your first step in building your online brand. Hover.com makes it quick and easy to find the perfect domain name for your business with over 400 available extensions. And with their connect feature, you can easily connect your Hover domain name to many popular website builders with just a few clicks. Plus, Hover offers free Who Is Privacy. That's free Who Is Privacy that protects your personal information from being released online. Don't let the complicated search, sign-up, and connection process of other domain providers stop you from starting your online brand today. Hover makes it easy to get started. So what are you waiting for? Find your perfect domain name at hover.com forward slash reach. Plus, Narrative Live viewers get 10% off right now. If you use the promo code reach, that's R-E-A-C-H, or go to hover.com forward slash reach. That's not interference. That's strategy. There's a difference there. It, interference is sending text message to black voters in Wisconsin and saying, your bills are all going to be collected if you go to vote today. That's interference. This is, well, let's not give Biden any freebies because he is, I mean, like, who would they rather have in office in 2024 or 2028? DeSantis or Biden? Trump. Uh, <laughs> Trump. Uh, maybe, maybe yeah. Trump, but Trump's a wild card. They're bigger jabonis that they'd like to see in there, probably. Maybe Trump's their best. best I think Trump is scenario. their best asset, I think, from my perspective. But, you know, who knows? Well, they want us to destroy ourselves from within. Trump can't organize an attack on Russia from here, but he can uh, organize an attack on the United States from here. So, but, yeah, you could be right. They want Trump. But think about this wording here. Waiting until after the U.S. election was always a pre-planned condition of Russia's withdrawal from Kherson. I mean, I know what you're saying. They just don't want to give him a freebie. But they're also deciding on major military moves. 
based on the American elections, it seems like a priority of theirs is of determining is. how things settle in the American elections. We are in their parlance, in their military and their intelligence, we are the main adversary and we have been for a century. So for them to consider the political issue, the internal politics of the United States, that's just good intelligence. That's just good statecraft. I mean, that's a smart move to not give Joe Biden any points. It's not nefarious. It's just in their interest to do so because they're screwed. <laughs> and do they give the GOP some points by not giving Joe Biden any points? Yes. Yeah, it's true, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. So the rest of this little section here is going to be a little speculative. Of course, wondering aloud to myself earlier on, I was like, so if they're doing things like withdrawal on a political basis in the United States, is it possible that they did something like this in order to time it to the announcement by Donald Trump this evening of his restart of his campaign? But, you know, one of the things that Donald Trump likes to say when he's out there on the stump in the last few months is that World War Three is not going to happen if he's elected. That's his big thing, that he knows these guys, he knows these dictators, World War III ain't happening on his watch. It's true, he does know these guys better because he's working with them, but that's the argument that he's put forward. And I would be not surprised if he says the same thing in his campaign launch. So isn't it coincidental, interesting, maybe uh, provocative for them to have a missile, which everyone's interpreting as, hey, World War III is about to start, when it's not really that, it's about giving Trump some impetus in his otherwise lackluster launch this evening. Theory. Well, the I think theory. that's a great idea for Trump because the whole thing would be so completely obtuse and theoretical to his base. I don't think that they're like, oh, you know, this is Article 4 and 5 of the North Atlantic Treaty. We'll give you a shiny nickel for every person at any of his rallies that can name what Article 4 and 5 are or what the North Atlantic Treaty is, or where the North Atlantic is. <laughs> but I do think they would be fearful of World War III. It's been his thing all along that World War III is imminent, only he can stop it. That's why he's friends with all these dictators. I mean, I just think it's not- yes, He's stopping it by giving the country to them in advance. That's very nice of him, yes. Yes, he's basically handing it over so they won't be in destruction. That's basically the, you'll sell it off in parts for them. So that is what he's actually been saying during his political stump speeches in the last few months. It would not be surprising if he says it tonight. And then I don't believe in coincidences anymore in the world. And so when things like this happen, especially with these players, when you talk about Russia, and we've just seen evidence that they were involved in deciding when the Kherson withdrawal should happen based on the midterm elections, it's not out of the realm of possibilities that they've done something in order to support their guy who's about to be starting his third campaign for president. So he's running again, huh? He is running again. He's back. Trump too is happening. I don't know why he's running again, but he's nevertheless. He's yeah, I think he had one. hundreds of thousands of dollars left over from the 2020 campaign. As if he wanted to spend that on another campaign. He had so much other, he had so much debt and other uses to spend that all on. So why would he do that for this campaign? He is doing this because, I mean, it could be that he's just, it's a wounded ego is one possible thing that he's trying to pull off because he had so much fun the first time around, that he hates Joe Biden so much would be a third reason. And of course, the fourth reason might be that he might stave off some investigation that might be done by DOJ into his espionage and other things that he's been involved in, because they might be reluctant or a little bit more reluctant to indict a guy who's running for president of the United States and might be the candidate for the Republican Party. They might not, but they might think twice about it. I, mean, I think we need to touch base on the fact that after last Tuesday's election, a lot of the media that normally supported Trump started biting him saying that he's the loser and all that. I think I saw some of Rupert Murdoch's network take off after him. It's really delightful, actually. It's joyous. 
Yes, they have um, no loyalty, those people. But it's, truthfully, I can't think of another good reason for him to be running other than just be provocative, other than just wanting to just continue to stay in the limelight and be ego-driven in that regard. I think that there's an element here where he's just trying to caution the DOJ from proceeding, gives him extra, at least if he is indicted, he'll be able to accuse everyone of saying it's a political hit job in a way that it's harder for him to do if he's, if he's not running for president. I suppose. I mean, Merrick Garland's kind of on a roll. What does one do when one has committed treason? The Oath Keepers trial finishes up evidence at the end of this week, and it yeah. goes to the jury. And there have been people who have pleaded out, but we haven't had a jury find this crew. This was the militarized Oath Keepers crew, Thomas Caldwell, Kelly Meggs, all them, who organized probably the most militarized attack on the Capitol that was going to be one of the linchpins for the, all the rest of it that we've talked about on this show, the fake slate of electors, the midnight decision from Alito or Thomas. Clarence Thomas. A lot of that depended on chaos that would have been created by the occupation of the Capitol by these militaristic people, these domestic terrorists. Brandy Buckman has been on it as a very assiduously and I can't even think of any particular hits off the top of my head that are surprises that have come out in the trial that haven't been, except for like some really gross sexts that I didn't want to read between Stuart Rhodes and anybody else. But everything we know, it's like these guys trained up, they brought a bunch of weapons, they were going to come with non-lethal weapons at first, but then have quick reaction force come over and they were going to occupy a bunch of buildings. But then, of course, that didn't happen. And that was prevented. And now these guys are on trial and the evidence has been presented and all their communications. And uh, very likely we're going to have a major seditious conspiracy conviction, which is of importance to a lot of people. Yeah. Donald Trump and everybody he worked with, but also all the foreign powers that supported all this crap. So do you think that there's an order that Mary Garland might be waiting for, waiting for this indictment, waiting for this conviction to happen before indicting Donald Trump? Is it, I have no idea yeah. what his strategy is around indicting Donald Trump. Yeah. I would say offhand, as a general strategy for prosecution, every successful conviction of something like this, where somebody said, we're not taking your plea deal. And people need to remember that 98% of charges from the feds are settled out via plea deal. The prosecutors are generally conservative and they only go to court when they know they're going to bury you. And they usually do so. If you don't plead out, they're going to hit you with superseding indictments and you're in for some trouble. So this is a case of where somebody went all the way or a bunch of these guys went all the way to trial. They were like, no, we are not going to settle. We're not going to plead out and they're going to be facing a jury. I haven't been in the jury box. I'm not sure exactly what they saw, but just from what I've heard, it sounds kind of seditious and quite conspiracy-y. So <laughs> I, I, could, I think- Oh, I think they're, they're going to get convicted for sure. I just wonder whether it, it has implications for all the other characters involved. Every minute of narratives reporting, every story that we break is made possible by our patrons. You too can become a patron by joining at patreon.com forward slash narrative. Narrative, where truth lives. One day, you'll tell the story of autocrats, crooks, and kings who came for our freedom. A 
A story of citizens who stood up to tyranny and won. The people prevailed and renewed an old vow to a more perfect union. And that was just the beginning. The story continues. Narrative. Where truth lives.